greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Welcome to Winds of Change. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Keith McKenzie, and this is session two in our study on kingdom parables. Uh, we're in our mobile uh, studio today, so if you hear any background or ambient noise or stuff like that, I apologize in advance. Um, time is brief, so let's go ahead and uh, start this off with prayer. Father in heaven, I just thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that... Uh, we just have the ability to read and study your word. And there's so much going on today, and I'm just uh, encouraged and strengthened by your word. And I just uh, thank you because uh, you are the rock, the sure foundation. And then in this time of uh, when everything that can be shaken will be shaken, we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, give us eyes and ears that we might both see and hear what the Spirit has to say. Okay, when we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. All right, so we're uh, going to be entering into our uh, Matthew 13, uh, covering uh, the kingdom parables. Uh, we're going to do a um, the purpose of parables, I think, is a, is a good thing for us to take a, a look at here. And uh, so why do we... Uh, why did the Lord begin to use parables? So what I want to do is give you a brief um, panorama of the gospel of uh, Matthew. And uh, something happened. And we can see this when we look at the other, um, you know, gospels. And, and they also uh, help us to understand uh, what was going on here. But uh, let's cover this stuff briefly. But in Matthew uh, chapter 1, we have the genealogy of uh, the Lord Jesus. Uh, Matthew 2, we have a brief synopsis of the childhood of Jesus with his birth and his flight to Egypt uh, with the dream uh, that Joseph had. And then we have the, the, them coming back out of Egypt and settling uh, in Nazareth because of... Uh, you know, Herod was um, now reigning. So Matthew chapter 3, we have, uh, you know, the adult life and the preparation for uh, Jesus' earthly ministry. So we have John the Baptist uh, preparing away by uh, the proclamation of repentance. And uh, Jesus also confirmed that. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, we have Satan's temptation in the wilderness. And uh, interesting to note there that, uh, you know, Satan uh, quoted scriptures. And uh, that'll be important for us to see as we get into uh, these kingdom parables. So um, Jesus uh, begins his ministry uh, after the temptation in the wilderness. And he begins with miracles, okay? And I want to emphasize here that Jesus... Here in Matthew chapter 4, when he begins his uh, earthly ministry, it begins with miracles, and he's teaching the word of God openly. 
So by the time we have, uh, he's teaching the Beatitudes, the model prayer in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6. Um, these teaching and miracles continue in warnings of unbelief in murder in the, that begins in the heart, doctrines, and that doctrine will bring uh, division. These are all things that the Lord Jesus was teaching. And by the time we get to uh, Matthew chapters 11 and 12, we have a, a defining moment in, in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And this is what's preparing the way for him speaking in parables. So Matthew chapter 11, we have um, the, John the Baptist begins to question Remember here, so even even John the Baptist uh, begins to question what is going on uh, with, uh, you know, he's been thrown into prison by Herod's wife. And he begins to, you know, question, is this, you know, are you the one or should we look for another? And uh, Jesus says, and I'll just find it here, uh, he begins to confirm to uh, John the Baptist's disciples, uh, verse 4 in chapter 11, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you both hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And so they depart... And, and Jesus confirms that he is indeed the one. And not only should uh, John the Baptist understand that this is what Messiah was going to do, but so should the, re the religious leadership of Jesus' day, that he had so many confrontations. And as you begin to you know, read and study your Gospels, just look at some of those sharp contentions that the Lord Jesus had with the, the religious elite of his day, those who were supposed to be guardians of the truth. And um, so we have a little bit further down uh, here in Matthew chapter 11, there's something I really want you to grab a hold of, okay? After Jesus sends away John the Baptist's uh, disciples, he begins to, you know, say a little word about, you know, um, John the Baptist. And he says, um, you know, what did you go out to see? And by the time we get down um, to verse 10, he's, he's saying that this is a fulfillment of Scripture. For this is he of whom it is written, okay? Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And so that was the prophet Malachi who prophesied that about Jesus, okay? And, and um, Jesus is saying here that this was, um, you know, John the Baptist who was coming in the power and the might of Elijah. And so here in verse 11, Matthew 11, 11, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Did you get that? He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What is going on with that statement? Okay, so by the time we get over 
And this is important also for us to understand what is going on um, when Jesus is confronted uh, by the religious establishment. And so I'm going to go ahead and read a, uh, a rather lengthy portion of scripture here, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 12. But I just want to prepare the ground here for what is going on with these kingdom parables in Matthew 13. And it should become abundantly clear. And it also gives us great discernment, okay, for uh, the church today and for the, you know, the process and of what the Lord said that the church was going to look like. And it's not the pretty picture that um, some people who ascribe to dominion theology, who think they're going to prepare the, uh, you know, earth and make everything right. And, and uh, dominion or kingdom now theology will teach that uh, they need to prepare the earth and that and this is the part that's the, the the sticking issue is that Jesus can't come back until they've fulfilled their task of you know preaching the gospel to all the nations and um, it's actually counter contradictory to what uh, the Bible really teaches Bible teaches that there'll be great chaos and that there'll be um, you know, labor pains for for the tribulation before Christ's return. And what it does is it really puts God, if if this system is true, uh, Kingdom Now or Dominion Theology, if that is true, then, you know, God is at the, you know, has to wait on man. And, and that's just not true, can't be true. And it's, it, you know, God is sovereign. And uh, not to mention that, you know, uh, scriptures teach us that, you know, evil men will wax worse and worse. And that the Bible teaches that before uh, the second coming, there will be this great falling away, this apostasy that's, uh, you know, brought up in, by the Apostle Paul. Um, also, that uh, Peter and, and John and Jude all spoke of this glut of um, false teaching. So we have here in uh, Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And this is, we're going to find that Jesus is doing another healing here, but something happens here that causes him to begin to teach in parables. Okay, so Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, that's Saturday, the Shabbat, and he said to his disciples, were hungry, and they began to pluck the heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are not doing what's lawful on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Jesus, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and he and those who were with him, and how he entered into the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat? Now, since Jesus is God and he gave us the law, then he should know. So we should pay particular attention to what he's saying to us here. Nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Okay, and this is a question. Or have you not read the law and the Sabbaths of the priests and in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? 
So he's wrapping them here in a little bit of a riddle, okay? And he says, yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what it means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. And, and this always comes down to uh, Jesus was always telling them to, to judge with righteous judgment and, and to, you know, look on the heart, you know, to do what's right, not to let the letter of the law, you know, kill um, and, and restrict. And that's what legalism uh, does in the church today. It restricts and it, and it, and it kills. So we have in verse 9, Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? So they're trying to set up the Lord Jesus. And it says, verse 11, Then he said to them, What man among you is there who has one sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value than is this man than a sheep? Therefore, if, if it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now, he is just clarifying right here that the Sabbath isn't a restriction of everything. It's okay to do good on the Sabbath. And this is what Jesus was doing. And he knew that this was going to cause a confrontation. And so he says in verse 13, Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand and restored it as whole as the other. And then the Pharisees went out to, and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Wow. This is, this is what religious people do to protect their, their denomination or, or their, their position. Uh, whatever, whatever they have, it's, it's, it's certainly not, Jesus is, is saying it's, it's not good. You know, it's unrighteous to, you know, not do good. He says, shouldn't we do good? So um, let's go to verse 15. All right, it says, but when Jesus knew it, okay, that they were planning to destroy him, he withdrew from there and a great multitude followed him and he healed them all. So we still have miracles going on. Yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by... Isaiah, the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and I will declare justice to the Gentiles. And he will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. But a bruised reed, now check this out, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name, the Gentiles will trust. So the Lord Jesus is saying there again, um, through through the prophet, he's saying that you know it's it's about mercy, you know that he's going to be tender and merciful and and with justice, and that this ultimately that this is what the Gentiles, which is the church, would be uh, willing to receive, and they would trust that. Verse twenty-two. Then one who was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, and mute, 
he healed him so that the blind and mute both spoke and saw. And the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? That's a messianic reference. Now, when the Pharisees, here we go, the religious elite, this is what I want you to understand as we go into these parables. Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said to him, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Ooh, this is, this is what did it. In, in verse 25, it says, But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he's using logic here with them, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Okay, we're talking about kingdoms. And in verse 20 says, And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by who do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house he who is with me, he who is, sorry, verse 30, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And then Jesus has to remind them about the unpardonable sin, all right? And, and basically what they've done is they've, um, you know, they're, they're, they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, right? So Jesus says in verse 31, he says, Therefore, okay, because now they've, they've offended him by calling these miracles and everything that he just did in front of them again, which is a proof, and the people were beginning to call him, you know, the son of Messiah. And you'll see in some of the other uh, Gospels, um, we'll, we'll take a quick peek in that in a second, but it was the accusation that he did this by the... Um, you know, the prince of demons, that he was satanic power doing it, and they were attributing the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? And Jesus has to remind them here of the unpardonable sin. And so he says, therefore, I say unto you, okay, in verse uh, 31, chapter 12, every sin and blasphemy of men will be forgiven. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven man. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, that would be Jesus, it will be forgiven him. But he who speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. And then Jesus goes through and he begins to demonstrate, you know, that a tree will be known by its fruit. And here he is going around, even on the Sabbath, that the... Um, they had such a problem with with their religiousosity that um, because their heart wasn't right, they weren't ready to receive these type of things because they were protecting their position. And so Jesus is trying to tell them, hey, you need to do what's right here, even regardless of what day it is. All right. And so I want to bounce over. And, and show you, and this is also contrasted in uh, Mark, the same event, 
okay, of the the accusation against the Lord Jesus, uh, claiming that he's doing these things by the demonic powers in Mark chapter 3 and Luke chapter 8. So they're, you know, relatively early in those Gospels. And then you'll notice that there's a sudden change in the way that Jesus begins to deal with um uh, you know, the way that he teaches. And the way that he begins to teach now is in parables. And the purpose for parables we'll look at in just a second. But let's bounce over to uh, John uh, 11, chap uh, chapter 11, verse 48 is um, the plot to kill Jesus. Okay, I'm going to just back up a little bit. Um Verse 45, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things that Jesus did, that was the miracles, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council, okay, and said, what shall we do for this man works many signs? If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe him. And get this, this is it. This is the heart of the matter for them. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And so you see here that they're trying to protect uh, their denominational stance, their political standing. And so they don't really have righteousness uh, at the heart of, of what's going on here. And... Um, you know, after all of this happens, you know, they're asking for a sign. You know, you know, the, 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 um, the, um, by the time we get to, um, chapter, you know, chapter, um, 13, when we begin to get into, you know, the, um, the parables, um, I just want to skip over because I'm not going to have a chance to read the parable of the sower yet, but I wanted to, before we um, close out this session, that I wanted to let you know, because there's sometimes some uh, misunderstanding on um, the, the purpose of parables. So in Matthew chapter 13, um, verses 1 through 15, um, you know, Jesus... Uh, you know, one through nine, he gives the uh, the parable of the sower, and then he begins to explain the uh, purpose of the parables. And uh, so, I want to clarify this before we go into the next session when we'll actually start uh, reading this, and you'll you'll really begin to see uh, you know what's going on. You'll be able to see the church age here and in, in the prophetic uh, timeline, really, that the Lord Jesus. Uh, outlines here with these seven parables. So Matthew chapter 13 verse 10, after Jesus gives them the parable of the sower, he says verse 10, and the disciples came to him and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Now isn't that what we all want to know? Why did this happen? So Jesus says in verse 11, and he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you, okay, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. So he's making it very important here. We're contrasting the difference between them being the, the religious people 
and you who are his disciples. So any of us who are followers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we read our Bible, we're studying, we're praying, we're born again. We are the ones to whom these uh, parables are given. So we're to be given insight into them. Okay. Verse 12, for whoever has to him more will be given and he will have an abundance and whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them, listen to this, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, now he's speaking about the religious people here, that he's basically pronouncing judicial blindness by teaching to them in parables that only by the Holy Spirit, whom they just blasphemed, okay, the unpardonable sin, and now so he's producing judicial blindness on them and deafness, and he's telling us that he's going to give us the understanding okay so it says um, hearing you will not hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the heart of this people has grown dull their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts in turn so I should heal them but blessed, okay, and this is for us. But blessed are your eyes, for they, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And that's because the Lord is giving us of his Holy Spirit. Okay, so going into this, we're going to see the kingdom parables and notice that it is a blinding for the religious, the legalistic uh, religious person and how that Jesus says that this kingdom, okay, that he who is, you know, how he was contrasting with John saying that he was the greatest born of women, but he that is born in the kingdom, right? Remember that? That he said that... Let me read it again. And he says, you know, um, he's talking about John the Baptist, right? And he says, um, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not one arisen greater than John the Baptist. And that's a pretty high commendation from the Lord Jesus. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So, next time, we'll get into the parable of the sower and we'll begin to uh, look at these kingdom parables and why the Lord Jesus could say something like that making a distinction between the Old Testament uh, prophet law and prophets that John the Baptist closed out and the new thing the Lord was doing making the new covenant okay we'll get into this next time but for that's all for now so We'll see you next time. My name's Keith McKenzie. This is Winds of Change. God bless, and I'll see you on the other side.